Mate, how are you? Welcome to episode 14 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. It is so good to have you here. Today, we're going to jump into a listener Q&A about is it okay to have a revolving or reoccurring training plan that you punch out week after week after week? And we're going to take a big look at strength training for endurance athletes. Now let's get into it. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Matty Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. G'day mate, it is good to have you back. I didn't get a podcast out last week, just a few things conspired against me, but here I am back at it, bringing you the good quality information so that you can train harder, but most importantly, train smarter and achieve your goals no matter who you are, where you're from, or what your goals actually are. I'm going to do that through a blend of good quality research and real-world practical advice so that you can put that science into practice. Now, I have just spent the last 45 minutes trying to get my kids to sleep. Man, it was a battle tonight. So, we're going to have to keep things a little quiet because if you wake them, you've got to take them. So, keep your voice down. We don't want anyone waking up the children tonight. Also, if you've got any tips about how to get kids to sleep... Let me know, please post a comment. We are having such a battle at the moment with our two-and-a-half-year-old getting to bed. I think she's ready to drop her day nap, but she's not quite ready to drop her day nap. Whenever we keep her up, she always crashes, but when she has a day nap, man, she's a nightmare to get to sleep. So if you've got any tips to help me out, feel free to post them below. Always greatly appreciated. Now, I just quickly wanted to tell you about my new Lems shoes, the Primal 2s. I have been wearing these shoes now for a couple of months, and they continue to impress me. The one thing I love about the Lems shoes concept is the fact that you can get Primal minimalist shoes that look like work shoes, look like smart leather work shoes that you can wear to the office. I'm lucky enough that I don't have to go into the office wearing leather shoes. I can just wear gym shoes all day. So I've got the Lems Primal 2s. But if you want a shoe that you can wear with your suit and still not look out of place, not get in trouble by the boss, but still look after your feet, look after your posture, strengthen up those feet and give those toes room to move, seriously check out lemsshoes.com. If you're in New Zealand and you want to order a pair of these, get in touch with Josh Ong over at Focus Physio. I'm going to post all the details in the show notes over at the Exponential Performance website. But seriously, consider checking out Lems Shoes. I cannot rate them highly enough at the moment. I am loving them. Now, just a quick note. If you've got any questions that you would like me to cover in future podcasts or you've got a topic that you want me to dig into a little deeper, so it's not a specific question but it's a topic you've heard about or you want to know more about, get over to the Exponential Performance Coaching website and send me through a voice message 
and I'll get you on the show as soon as I possibly can, and I'll get stuck into that. So what we're going to do is, since we're talking about Q&A, let's jump into our first listener Q&A of the day. Here it is. Hi, Matty. Got a question for you. What's the issue with having a one to two week rolling training plan just to keep fit for recreational riding on the weekends? I don't mind being 80% uh, of my peak fitness all year round. A couple of coaches I've spoken to, they seem to be all about goals, peaking, etc. Uh, they, but they just don't seem to understand that I just want a very simple program uh, that I can do on my turbo because I'm time crunched. Uh, so, so that I've got good enough fitness to uh, ride with friends and family uh, during the uh, during the weekend. I don't know if this is possible or I'm just trying to uh, be overly simplified, but I'm hoping that uh, you can tell me either way whether this is possible. Uh, I look forward to hearing you. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right, mate. Thanks so much for your question. It's a, it's a good one. Very interesting one, in fact. So can you train with a revolving training plan so you maintain that fitness all year round of course you can of course you can at the end of the day it all comes back to goals just like you've been told by other coaches but it all comes back to your goals not their goals not their template not what they want you to do it comes back to you and whatever that is so if your goal is to just be at 80% be fit enough to go riding with some mates, friends and family, maybe do a few races on the side, then if that's your goal, then a revolving training program is going to you know, tick most of those boxes for you. If you're happy with that, if you're happy heading out, not being in your peak, if you're happy to head out and maybe get dropped off if you're doing a race, if you're going to hurt more than usual then that's all good. If it ticks the boxes, go out and get after it. The only time it's not all right is that if that's not what you want. If you do actually want to improve your performance, if you want to peak well at a race, then something's got to change. So the bottom line is, it sounds like your you know two-week revolving circulating training program is probably doing the job for you. The only issue comes is if you actually do want to adapt and improve your performance beyond where you are now, something's going to have to change. You're going to have to do something different. The body will adapt to things, and once it adapts to them, it will plateau or start to decrease if you don't keep that training load up. So rather, I think I've answered that question, like you, the one that you answered. So I thought what I'd do is just dig into a little bit of how you could tweak your training program to continue to get incremental gains even though you probably don't want to chuck too much time into your training program. So if you've got the same amount of time every week to train, let's say it's over winter because often people go into a wee holding pattern over winter, then what you can do is you can change how you're training. So it's not all about duration. Duration's only one measure of training. 
So what we can do is we can change the way we're doing our intervals. We can do more intervals. We can do shorter intervals. We can do longer intervals. We can change out our rest period. We can shorten that rest interval to make our intervals more aerobic in nature. Or we can make our rest intervals longer so our intervals become more high intensity, explosive and aerobic in nature. So there's variations in within those interval sessions that you can do on your turbo trainer or your wind trainer at home. Still same amount of time but different adaptations. The other thing you could do is do some strength work which I'll talk about in our next segment about strength training. But if you haven't been doing any strength training, there's big gains to be made just by adding some strength training into your program. So little things that you can do. If you're primarily riding, like it sounds like you are, go and do some running. Running takes less time. You get sort of bigger rewards for it. Great cross training for cyclists, and I highly recommend cyclists run during the winter for that cross training benefit. Something different, get a little bit of impact loading on that joint, on those joints, help improve bone density. All of those things get missed out when you're cycling. So it comes back to your goals at the end of the day. If you're happy with your training program that you've got, the results that you're getting, then by all means, Keep on keeping on just like you're doing. However, if you are wanting something different than what you're getting, then the training program that you're doing is not the one for you. And it's because it's limiting you. You're doing the same thing, so you're going to get the same results. So if you want to change up a few things to still get those adaptations, then hopefully those few hints have helped you out. But at the end of the day, it comes back to your goals. Reassess your goals. Make sure you're heading in the direction that you want to head. And if you are, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. They're your goals. It's your life. Get out there. Enjoy it. That's number one. And tick those goals off. If you've got any other questions, please send me in a voice message and I'll do my best to answer it. What we're going to do now is we're going to jump into our next section. It's all about strength training for endurance athletes. Let's get into it. Strength training. Strength training for endurance athletes is, you know, a bit of a contentious topic among coaches and athletes alike. You know, when strength training or gym training or resistance training or whatever the hell you want to call it is mentioned you know during the weekend bunch ride or lunchtime group run often people's talk immediately turns to the fear of bulking up or the potential interference with aerobic endurance these are just simply not true First of all, there is a lot of evidence around strength training for endurance, and I want to cover that today. But also, I want to try and cut down some misconceptions. And the first one is about bulking up or getting big. It is extremely hard to bulk up or get big. When I used to work uh, as a gym instructor and as a personal trainer, I had so many people coming to me for advice on how to bulk up, get big. And it's one of the hard, 
two of the hardest things to do in life is probably gain weight and bulk up in terms of building muscle mass and the other one's probably to lose weight lose fat mass two of the hardest things to do potentially but for an endurance athlete if you are doing an ounce of endurance work or aerobic work the body isn't going to hold on to muscle mass that it does not need. So the only thing that you're going to hold on to is the muscle mass that you're going to use and it's going to be beneficial. So strength training, when I say strength training, you know, there's a it's a blanket term I'm going to use because I don't like the term weight training or gym training because you can do strength training at home. You don't have to be at the gym. And you don't even have to use weights to do it. You can use resistance bands, body weight, that sort of thing. So I'm going to use the blanket term strength training. But what I'm referring to is your traditional gym-based weight training. But you can do it anywhere. So strength training can improve your endurance performance in two ways. It can either do it directly or indirectly. A direct performance improvement is the result of improving the muscle's contractility or the ability to contract more muscle fibers and also the neural activation of more muscle fibers which results in a more forceful contraction and it's been quite well proven in the research that this helps aiding endurance performance i'll dig into that a little bit more soon the other way you can improve your endurance performance using strength training are through indirect training adaptations. And what I mean by that is that the adaptations that occur from the strength training don't actually make you run faster, don't make you cycle faster. What they do is that you get improvements in your performance indirectly by being able to train harder, being more robust and injury resilient. And those things there lead to an improvement in performance but if you didn't do the strength training you wouldn't be more structurally robust or you know injury resilient so things such as improved posture core stabilization tendon and ligament strength all make an athlete more structurally robust and that means you're able to undergo a higher training load without breaking down or becoming injured so now that we've got those two concepts in mind indirect and direct training improvements Let's take a little bit more of a look at some of the research around these areas. So when it comes to direct performance improvements, there's a lot of evidence out there that supports strength training for endurance athletes. And this all comes back to muscles being able to contract more forcefully. And the outcome of a more forceful contraction is an increase in power production. Power is a function of force and velocity. So if you think of the bike, it's how hard you can push on the pedals and then how fast you can do that. So if you're running or if you're kayaking, it's how much force you put into each step or each pedal stroke. Whereas velocity is simply how fast you can spin those pedals, how how fast you can turn those arms or legs over. Cadence, stroke rate, stride rate. That's what we're talking about in terms of velocity. So you combine these two factors and it gives you power. By training the muscle's ability to contract more forcefully, there's an ability to produce higher force for longer. With the end result in the real world being just simply going faster. 
So to improve your endurance performance in the gym, it's sort of logical that you would perform high repetition exercises with a low weight. After all, that is endurance. And that's a trap many people fall into. They want to improve their endurance in the gym, but they don't want to bulk up. So they use a lightweight and do lots of repetitions. This does not improve your endurance performance in the real world. It's been shown in the research. The best gains for endurance performance have actually been found with high or heavy weight and low repetition exercises. So your traditional sort of four sets of four reps, maximally weighted, say squats. So you you load up a bar with as much weight that you can just punch out four or five squats with. You do four sets of them and that's going to improve your endurance performance. One study that really showed this was performed in Norway using competitive cyclists. They found that four sets of four maximally weighted Smith machine squats, so that's one of those machines that guide the bar up and down so you don't actually have to stabilize anything, three times a week for eight eight weeks, improved cycling economy, efficiency, time to exhaustion without any increase in body weight. So they didn't bulk up at all. And they didn't decrease their VO2 max. They didn't lose any aerobic fitness with the strength training that they did. This improvement in performance was due to an increase in neuromuscular function, meaning that there were more uh, more fibers activated during the cycling test, allowing more force to be applied to the pedals. This has also been shown in runners, strength training in that same sort of fashion, In particular as well using plyometrics, sort of bounding, jumping, hopping up onto boxes or, you know, broad standing broad jumps are very beneficial for endurance athletes. Again, the majority of these findings were to do with neuromuscular factors improving performance, not actually the growth of muscle fibers. So it's not all about muscles getting bigger, it's about getting more neural activation of these muscles. So what does this mean for you? If you want to improve your endurance performance by doing strength training, you really need to be pushing heavy weight for low repetitions. Heavy weight, low repetitions. But here's the caveat. If you haven't done much strength training work in the past, Getting into the gym and chucking a big loaded barbell on your back and punching out low repetition uh, squats is a surefire way to get injured. So what I highly suggest is that if you're new to strength training, then you focus more on the indirect performance improvements, which I'll cover very soon. And if you've been strength training for a while in the gym to specifically improve your endurance performance, is then change your approach if you're not if you're not already doing it to a more of a high weight low rep scheme. So for the indirect performance improvement, indirect performance improvements through strength training are primarily gained through the development of the athlete's core stability, leading to neuromuscular control of posture, alignment, and also increased injury resilience. There's numerous studies that have investigated this. It's been found that core training has shown to alter cycling mechanics to avoid knee injuries, 
which is really key for any ultra-endurance cyclists out there, and also to improve 5K running performance and allow athletes to train injury-free more often, So, which are all key things. With this in mind, the core, and I don't really like the term core because it's quite vague and it's a little bit of a fitness industry trend word, but the core is simply everything kind of just under nipple line all the way down to sort of mid-thigh. Everything within that region controls the core. So it's not just your abs or your abdominals. The core, I like to think of it as that that whole segment, both front and back. When you actually think about that, there's a huge amount of muscles in there, huge amount of bones, huge amount of joints, which makes it quite complex. But when you think about it, this core area connects the two major areas of force generation in the body the pelvis and the shoulder girdle when you look at the human body the only thing that links these two together on a structural uh, solid level is the spine and the spine's little more than a whole bunch of you know precariously stacked jinga blocks running up and down the body for in terms of the vertebrae the only thing that stabilizes the stack of vertebrae are muscles tendons and ligaments of that core just like guide wires holding up a ship's mast or the spokes in a bike wheel, if any of these guide wires or spokes are over-tightened or loose, the mast or the wheel will not run true. So let's have a think about that. Due to the nature of you know, endurance sports, often athletes end up with tight, overdeveloped muscle groups while other ones become weak and stretched out. This imbalance in the guide wires uh, causes misalignment of the athlete's posture, which over time can lead to injury through excess loading of the structures that are not designed to be loaded in such a way or such a direction that they're not designed for. So with this in mind, if you have not done any strength training in the past, your best bet and the place where I think you should invest your time initially is on getting into some of this indirect performance improvements that you can get through strength training and targeting these areas of the core. This is also going to help develop your ability to then progress into more advanced strength training to get those direct performance improvements. But until you get those indirect performance improvements, get those neuromuscular patterning happening, you can refine your technique and go through that sort of baseline introductory movement until you get that done, getting in and performing heavy explosive uh, strength training to improve your endurance performance is almost a bit of a recipe for disaster. So what would I recommend you do? And I'll add some links to these resources over at the Exponential Performance Coaching website so that you can get a bit more of a visual. The key areas that we want to really focus on strengthening is our upper back. Because the chest gets really strong and tight when you're down on the bike, in the kayak, you're swimming, the upper back gets quite weak and stretched out because it's continuously under tension. So what we want to do is do as many pulling exercises as we can. So whether it be with barbells, dumbbells, whether it be pull-ups, pulling exercises are going to help stretch, uh, strengthen that upper back. The other area that often gets missed with athletes is the hamstrings. Quadriceps are usually very, very tight and strong, 
And most athletes will feel like they have got tight hamstrings as well, but only a fraction of them actually do. More often than not, endurance athletes have a pelvis that is tilted anteriorly, which means forward, an anterior pelvic tilt. And this is because if you can imagine the pelvis, the the quadriceps attached to the front of it, and then the hamstrings attached to the back of your pelvis. If the quadriceps are very strong and tight, which they are in most endurance athletes due to the time spent on the bike, due to running, in the kayak, and then along with general life, such as driving, sitting at a desk, all of those things which give you tight, strong quadriceps and hip flexors, that there results in your pelvis being tilted forward. Remember those hamstrings are attached to the back of the pelvis, which pulls on those hamstrings, making them feel tight. So what do most athletes do? They stretch out their hamstrings, but this just leads to more of the same problem. So if we can start working on developing our hamstring strength, whether that be through exercise such as Swiss ball hamstring curls, hamstring curls on a hamstring curl machine, and then progressing to more free weight exercises such as lunges, um, Romanian deadlifts, standard deadlift, just to really engage that posterior chain and get those hamstrings activated. The other area that I want to focus on is rotation or twisting because this is often a movement that is restricted or weak in endurance athletes and that's even those multi-sport athletes who kayak and should have quite a strong rotational pattern. The reason rotation is often quite weak is because we don't do it that much. And while the aim of improving your rotation is not actually to rotate, it's to resist rotation. So if you can imagine you've got really strong biceps, you're not only strong at picking a weight up and doing the curl, you're also very strong at resisting someone trying to pull your arms down. The same thing with our rotation. If we are strong at rotation, we are also strong at resisting rotation. So if we can get some exercises such as the medicine ball twist, cable wood chop, Swiss ball Russian rolls, or a payoff press to help us develop the ability to rotate for one and then two also resist rotation, we're going to be a lot stronger for it. What are the sort of sets and reps we're looking at over this indirect performance improvement stage? We want to keep our sort of weight comfortable that you can lift for 8 to 10 reps. So this should look quite similar or quite familiar to to those people who have been in the gym before. 8 to 10 reps, 3 to 4 sets per exercise with a comfortable weight that you can perform, let's say, 3 more reps when you get to the end of that repetition range. The focus here is about developing your movement and technique, stimulating a little bit of muscle growth in those weak areas, as well as preparing the body to get into the higher strength training loads in the next training phase. Somewhere between two to three times per week to get in stuck into this. And if you're doing it right, you're not standing around talking in the gym, you should get through this in about 30, 45 minutes at the most. So let's have a look at strength training to improve your performance directly. 
So direct strength training improvements come from that body's ability to generate more force, as we talked about. We're going to do this through high weight, low rep strength work, as well as plyometrics. So what might this look like? So in this type of training, we want to use the big compound movements, such as squats and deadlifts. There's so many different variations of squats and deadlifts. And what I would highly recommend is having some double leg work in there and also some single leg work. So for the squat, this could be as simple as doing a front squat, but then also doing a rear leg elevated squat or what's sometimes known as a Bulgarian split squat. In the deadlift, either a Romanian deadlift or a normal standard deadlift, or if you want to use a trap bar to take some of the load off the back, there's options there. But again, working around that four sets of four reps with a with a heavy, relatively heavy weight. Also with that deadlift, let's think about using single leg as well. Because when we're cycling, when we're running, we're always in that single leg pose, so it's good not just for the force development aspect of it, but also to get that bilateral movement and stabilization so that could look like uh, a single leg Romanian deadlift which is a which is a really good one for any runner or cyclist out there to get into along with this I'd include some explosive plyometric type work so this could be box jumps so just jumping up onto a box for height or jumping up onto some stairs whether it be jumping whether it be hopping or if you don't have a box or stairs to jump on you can jump straight out in front of you as a horizontal broad jump and again working at relatively low reps for this sort of three sets of four to six jumps really focusing on that explosiveness and either height or distance all of these things help develop that a body's ability to generate force quickly now a lot of athletes endurance athletes this is sort of the, the work that they avoid because it doesn't feel like their endurance work but this has been shown by the research to get the biggest bang for your buck it can be really good to follow up your strength sessions with a steady ride run swim paddle whatever it might be because there's a line of thought that suggests that there may be more real world crossover of these gym based strength adaptations if we go then and do the real world activity that we're training for and this is just through that neuromuscular activation again so we stimulate it in the gym and then we get that crossover when we actually go out and do the exercise so how do we integrate strength training into your training program it's just like everything it's not so much about what you do i've just given you a whole bunch of different exercises and they would all be very beneficial for most people It's not so much about what you do, it's how and when you do them. Just like your other training, whether it be running, biking, kayaking, swimming, it needs to be periodized so that you're doing the right thing at the right time. Same goes for your strength training. Ideally, we want to periodize it in with your overall volume. So now, being winter in New Zealand, at least, or the Southern Hemisphere, it is the perfect time for athletes to get into that indirect baseline development if you want more help doing this 
I have some online programs that can help you. If you're a cyclist, get over and check out Ride Strong. This has got a periodized overview of everything you need to know about how to incorporate strength training into your season, right from base training through to race day. Along with that, it's got individual sessions, exercise explanations and descriptions so you know exactly what you need to be doing at exactly the right time. If you're a kayak or a paddle athlete, whether it be stand-up paddleboard, walker armor, outrigger, surf ski, um, K1, multi-sport, check out Paddle Strong. I'll post a link over to this at Exponential Performance Coaching under the show notes for this episode. But what this is, again, it's a a strength training program that I've designed specifically for kayakers and paddle sport athletes. Everything about what to do, how to do it, and more, most importantly, when to do it. If you are new to strength training and you just want some guidance about how to get into things, what I would suggest you do is check out the Performance Temple Function Handbook. The Performance Temple Function Handbook. Again, I'll post a link at this to this over at the Exponential Performance Coaching website so you can get out and check it out. This is an extremely low-cost way to get you into some form of strength training. Now, who is strength training for? Well, I'd say in the winter, it's for most people. If you are continuously getting injured with little niggles, then you need to be doing some sort of strength training. If you're over, say, 30... 40 years old you need to be doing some strength training because things are starting to break down if you've never done strength training before you're going to get the biggest benefit from it so get in and get some strength training happening if you're looking at taking your performance to the next level then getting stuck into some of that direct performance improvement that I have just talked about is going to be crucial that has got huge room for improvement if you haven't been doing it. And if you have been strength training for a while, but it sounds completely different to what I just described, then there's room for improvement there as well. If you've got any more questions in general or specifically about strength training, let me know and I'll do my best to get you the answer so that you can keep searching for that next thing, searching to improve your performance. How can you tweak things adjust things a little bit so you're getting that best out of yourself so there you have it i hope you enjoyed that wee insight into strength training if you've got any questions like i say let me know get out there train hard but most importantly train smart i'll talk to you next week